0: Hi, I'm Charles Gauthier, President and CEO of the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. The DVBA is so proud to support this daily podcast series. Thanks, everyone, and stay safe.
1: Thanks for watching Coping with COVID-19. Before we get to our regular video interview, here's a short news summary of what's been happening related to COVID-19 today. Effective at midnight tonight, all travelers coming into Canada are required to have a quarantine plan in place. This includes travelers that show no coronavirus symptoms, Now, if they don't have a plan in place, they will be required to sequester themselves in quarantine at a hotel. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said the government now has the authority to require travelers to self-isolate for a period of two weeks. And TransLink is losing $75 million per month and says it will need to start canceling entire routes unless it receives emergency funding from senior levels of government. TransLink CEO Kevin Desmond said today that the situation TransLink is facing is Dyer he said the company's operating revenue has been cut in half due to the fact of reduced ridership and falling fuel tax revenue. Bus fares have also been cancelled. Thanks for watching. here is our regular video interview. You're watching Coping with COVID-19. I'm Haley Wooden and my guest today is Ken Peacock, Chief Economist and Vice President at the Business Council of British Columbia. Ken, welcome back, glad you can join us again.
0: Thanks for having me again.
1: We're taking a look at job losses today in BC's labor market. BCBC has written about our outlook when it comes to jobs. And in fact, you've written that it's truly alarming. So tell me where we find ourselves to date in terms of how significantly the job losses have been in BC.
0: It, it is, Is it is truly alarming. Um, last Thursday, because of the holiday on Friday, we saw a jobs report come out of Statistics Canada. It was for the month of March. I actually didn't think it would pick up uh, the degree of job losses that it did, but it was. Uh, it took place in the third week of March, so some layoffs uh, had obviously occurred, and we saw in BC the total number of people fall by 130,000 people. Haley, that is a massive number, uh, unprecedented, nothing even close in in history. Have we seen anything like that? And just to provide a little bit of context, uh, during the Great Recession or the financial crisis of 2000 and, and the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009, we saw about eight or 10 months, no, 10 or 12 months of job losses, but the worst monthly decline in that period was 10 or 11,000. So 130,000 wow. just swamps that. And another way to think about this and conceptualize it is 130,000 jobs. That's about three to four years of typical, reasonably good job growth for British Columbia. So in a single month, we saw three to four years of employment growth ev- evaporate. And unfortunately, there's more to come, but we can get into that.
1: Yeah, so looking at that 130 or so thousand jobs lost, what sectors are primarily impacted sort of yeah the first so to- wave?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the, the, not a lot of surprises there. This for, this first wave, retail, about 40,000 fewer jobs. And then uh, tour, uh, tour, well, tourism, but uh, food and accommodation sector, also around 35,000 jobs lost in that sector. And then uh, services, uh, it's like broad category called other services, but that captures a lot of household services. Uh, the hair salons and the nail salons that have been closed, uh, a big employment hit there as well. Employment across most services is down. Interestingly, we haven't seen much effect on the good side of the economy yet. Manufacturing employment so far has held up. Uh, Construction employment off a little bit, but for the most part has held up uh, as well. So that's a little bit of a glimmer of of good news. But on the services side, the services sector, because the consumer facing services industries have for the most part been shuttered, uh, very, very significant job losses there.
1: Thinking about sort of the timeline of events here in BC, I think it was ordered that restaurants, bars, other shops closed down kind of at the tail end of that survey period. So what does that then mean in terms of what you're expecting in the next month of data from Stats Canada?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Like I, I sort of was alluding to a moment ago, I'm surprised that as much of the job or employment losses were captured because you're right, the survey did. We sort of shut down right at the end of the survey period. I guess some businesses were already scaling back, but it does cause some concern when we we look to the the coming months, because I think you're going to see additional employment losses show up. Um, The the survey will capture more layoffs. And I think there will be some of these secondary effects, you know, professional services, accounting services, legal services, HR services. There's going to be diminished demand for all, all of those things. And as we move through the year, we're going to see the impact of the global recession start to to wash ashore. So we've shuttered the consumer-facing economy here in the province, but I think the global downturn is going to start to impact our export sector, uh, our forest products, our mining products, our manufacturing items that we sell into other other markets. So. I do do believe we're going to see further further layoffs as uh, as we move through the year. This continues to unfold. Hopefully, we won't see another hundred and thirty thousand, but I expect to see many tens of thousands of, of job losses accumulating or in the in, in the coming months.
1: Where does that put us potentially in terms of unemployment?
0: Yeah, unemployment. So, right, the unemployment rate in the most recent month jumped from about five percent to seven percent. I would not be surprised if we see unemployment, the unemployment rate touch upon 13, 14 uh, percent by midsummer. Um, maybe perhaps even a little bit higher. Some people in the States are talking about a 20 percent unemployment. So it's definitely going to be double digit. Uh, it's definitely going to be higher than anything we've seen before. <clears throat> Again, referencing back to the Great Recession, we saw unemployment rate maybe bump up towards 10 percent, maybe a little bit over, but not this 14 or 15 percent that is likely likely to come to come to be uh, by, by, I'd say, midsummer this year.
1: Yeah. What are some of the consequences of that? If we see 14 to 15 percent unemployment, what happens to, say, consumer spending? What happens to businesses that rely on consumer spending? Paint me a little bit of a picture of how our economy changes when we see that. Yeah.
0: So it's a it's a good it's it's difficult to know for certain now obviously fewer people working fewer consumer expenditures people are going to be in savings mode they're going to be trying to cobble together rent and 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 purchase essentials so many discretionary items are going to see a big big fall in in purchases you can think of automobiles being maybe the largest most significant Uh, you're going to see sales in that area slow down you're going to see it right across the board except in, in food, and ironically, you're probably going to see food sales increase because of the shutdown in the restaurant sector. Um, it's a bit of an open question how much the subsidies and the payments that governments are rolling out are going to help. That's going to help consumer spending to some degree, but really, when you're shuttering large segments of the retail sector, and then later on in the year, when households are recovering and recuperating, maybe getting back into the job market, but facing a significant uh, sort of a destruction or erosion on their balance sheets, their savings, I think you're going to see a lot of households buckling down, either paying back debt or saving for a future, <laughs> any sort of future uncertainties. This is going to cause a lot of people to rethink their planning and their preparedness for unexpected shocks.
1: Absolutely, that, what is it, three to six months of salary we're supposed to have? We're
0: supposed to, yeah. And I think it's gonna be very clear that not many people have that, or a lot of people don't.
1: Yeah. I know. So there's obviously government benefits in place to help people who have lost income. Banks are deferring mortgages depending on your lender. But how concerned are you for, say, the real estate sector and what might we see again if 15% of the population no longer has a job?
0: Yeah, you one would imagine it certainly has implications for real estate. Typically, uh, low interest rates and employment growth uh, support and drive real estate activity, there's a foreign buyer component, but for the most part on the domestic side, it is those low interest rates and job growth. We have rock bottom low interest rates now. Uh, Market interest rates, mortgage rates have not moved down as much as administrative rates, so that is a bit of a dampening effect uh, on the real estate sector, but it really is that employment impact. If you're looking to get into the housing market and you've just lost your job, you're obviously going to postpone that decision. Even if you're just looking in to getting into the house market and you still have your job why would you buy now there's so much uncertainty Uh, so I think it's going to be tough time for the real estate industry until we get a little bit more clarity and certainty Um, uh, price reductions are probably going to happen that improves the affordability picture a little bit particularly with interest rates being relatively low but I, I think the uncertainty is a, hu- a huge cloud hanging <laughs> hanging over the real estate market, at least at least for the next six months or so.
1: Absolutely. Do you think this 75% wage subsidy from the federal government will that significantly reduce the number of layoffs we otherwise would have seen, or induce some rehiring, or maybe not that significantly?
0: That's uh, yeah. This is this is the question that I'm grappling with as we try and get some sort of sense of just how much how many jobs we will see lost in the year. Uh, my, my quick answer is it's mixed. I think so far it's mixed. When it was announced that they were going to subsidize 75% of the wages, I thought, oh, that's, that's great news. And my sense has always been it will help keep a portion of employees on the payroll. Businesses still have other fixed or not other fixed. Businesses still have fixed costs. So they have to pay their rent. They have to pay their suppliers. they got to pay light and electricity and heat. So I don't envision the seventy-five percent being enough to hire all employees back. Uh, so I, I can imagine a world where if they have ten employees, they can hire back two or three of them, and it makes it viable, makes the business uh, allowed allows the business to continue to operate. But I don't see it as as fully filling the gap for for employers. Now, unfortunately, we're hearing. Uh, so far, the details are kind of complex and it's difficult for some employers to figure out if they're eligible for it. There's a reduction in revenue, a lost revenue requirement, and there's some issues around accounting methods and whatnot. So the details, as is often the case with these kind of things, the details uh, still need to be worked out. And for many employers, particularly smaller ones, it's complicated and not clear. And I'm, I'm hearing some concerns about employers saying, you know, this is great. I'd love to hire back a third of my staff, but it's not entirely clear to me that I'll be, I will be—I will qualify for this subsidy three months down the road. So they don't want to be in a circumstance where they rehire these people, they have no revenue, and then they turn out that they don't qualify for it. So creating some additional certainty around whether or not employers will be able to access these funds, I think is going to be important. I think we'll see that in the coming days, but right now there there's some questions and it's a bit mixed just how effective it's going to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Do many Canadian companies stand to benefit, at least indirectly, from massive spending south of the border to keep businesses' doors open and protect workers down there?
0: Oh, you're talking about the $2, the two drill, trillion plus dollars that are being spent down <laughs> yeah. there? Sure. So as, to the extent that anything that helps the U.S. economy continue to function not fall as far as it otherwise would, and one would assume $2, $2 trillion in stimulus is going to have some positive impact. Yeah, that's good news. We've got questions around the border. When the border opens, of course, our goods can still flow over there. Uh, we can still s- export services over there. So if that keeps the U.S. economy going and more businesses viable and operating, We do benefit from that indirectly, absolutely. In the absence of uh, the alternative where they did nothing, we are much better off having them provide some stimulus and keep their economy going as much as possible.
1: For sure. Obviously, accompanied with job losses, we're hearing stories of businesses permanently closing their doors. So when we make it through this pandemic, those are jobs that are lost and people can't return to. Any sense of what that picture kind of looks like post-COVID-19?
0: This this is, re- this is what we've been concerned with right from the outset, is just how many businesses are going to be destroyed, uh, sh- closed down, uh, wrap up their operations because they just couldn't make it through this period with no revenue, uh, reduced revenue. They take a look at the outlook and think perhaps their sector may be permanently changed. It's just not going to be the same. So it's very difficult to say how many are going to be lost. But I envision tens of tens of thousands of um, companies cl- closing their business operations just because of the circumstances that, that we're currently in this is the big challenge coming out the other side um you know there's going to be people ready to work maybe they've embarked on some retraining but just where the jobs are going to be is is difficult to say and how much destruction of this so-called this this physical capital as, as well as institutional capital is going to occur through this process that that's that's the big question mark haley
1: So, kind of bottom line as we wrap up here, uh, shouldn't expect to get back to 5% unemployment once we're through this overnight. Sounds like it might be a bit of a slower recovery.
0: Yeah, I'm now in the slower recovery camp. I just think we're going to see these sort of mixed results of success with grappling with this virus across different jurisdictions. Here in BC, we're doing remarkably well, but that's not the story everywhere. And I think you're going to see. You know, a, a slow return uh, for, for tourism activity. We're going to continue to see restricted flights, uh, mobility limited. So no, I, I don't expect a snapback. Actually, in our projection that we that we wrote up, I do have. Employment actually rising a little bit in the second half of the year or, or after the summer, just because I expect that by by midsummer we'll start to see a gradual reopening or some sort of reopening of consumer-facing businesses. So you would expect to see employment rise in those circumstances. But I'm not thinking it's it's a huge snapback. I'm seeing more of a, a gradual, slow rebuilding. It may be a good opportunity or a good time for people to consider going back to school if they were contemplating taking on some higher education and some additional learning. The next year might be a good place to be in an institution, an educational institution.
1: Would it be out of the question to see governments maybe step up and provide grants or funding for people to do just that? People who say worked in the restaurant industry, they have no job to go back to because that business closed and are now reassessing their future? Could we see something like that by way of a stimulus? I,
0: I, I think it's a, it's a great idea. Um, we're going to be in a circumstance where there's going to be huge numbers of people unemployed. Um, I've even heard, e- e- even in my own family, my, my kids have, go, have said to me, it sort of feels like a reset, an opportunity to do something new. So to that extent, when people are feeling that and they're looking for a change of what, I think there is a massive, massive potential for government to step in uh, support people going back for retraining and education. I don't know what it looks like, but I know government deficits are large and some additional deficit financing to support retraining and education w- would be a very welcome step. It's just going to take time to, f- to figure it out. But no, I fully expect we will see some announcements not in the near future, but not in the too distant future pertaining to exactly that, Haley.
1: Well, Ken, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on with your insight and stay well.
0: Hopefully next time it'll be a little more
1: optimistic. <laughs> I'll be counting on you for some good news. That would be a nice <laughs> Thanks, refreshing change of faith. That's Ken Peacock, Vice President and Chief Economist at the Business Council of British Columbia. Thanks so much for watching Coping with COVID-19. We'll be back tomorrow with a new video.